Well, hello and welcome to Finding Our Way, our Southridge Church member podcast designed to give people the inside scoop on life in our church. Here's our host and lead pastor, Jeff Lockyer. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way. Uh, Today, I've got our spiritual practices pastor, Mandy Casper, with us. Mandy, good to see you. Nice to see you. Yeah, nice to hear you. Yeah, we saw each other before, and then we just turned off our cameras. So see you, hear you, whatever. Glad you're here. (laughs) Me too. Hey, uh, uh, just check in briefly on how your world is these days, you know, family-wise, at work, personally, whatever. We're, we're feeling like we're kind of coming out of the pandemic, maybe. Where are things at in your world? Uh, yeah, things are going pretty good. It's been a busy season uh, for me personally. There's been a lot going on, um, both work-wise and personal-wise. So it's felt like it's been a bit of a whirlwind, even almost since Christmas, but um, but doing okay and, and glad for some of the changes that are happening um, work-wise and society-wise. So uh, looking forward to that. But yeah, lots going on as always. Do you want to say anything about your pandemic experience? Are you happy to be where we're at right now? Or are you looking forward to being at the next stage? But how are you feeling? Yeah, I mean, happy's probably not a word that's been too close to the surface for a long time. I'm glad for um, some of the changes kind of that we're, that we're moving into a little bit more freedom. I'm just um, also really conscious of just how hard the journey's been for so many people. So I'm very much looking like enjoying the movements we're able to get back into. But the 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 weight and the toll of the last couple of years is is still pretty pretty prevalent. So I feel that along with everybody yeah. else. Well, let's dive into that because that's really what we want to camp out on, uh, knowing that we're diving into this new series that uh, we kind of decided on last minute. And yeah. I guess before we talk about the series, let's talk about some of the behind the scenes because you were part of these conversations. Why? Why did we suddenly decide? to kind of change course and launch into this series calling Aftermath. Aftermath, yeah, which um, is a bit of a, it's a hopeful title to say Aftermath. Um, I know that, you know, none of us think that we're through this by by any stretch. And yet we, like just in going in the regular rhythm of like, hey, what's the next series? This should be an inspiration series. And you're batting around ideas and you're like, this just actually feels so connected, disconnected from like where people are actually at right now. And it was just even a number of conversations with people. I feel like I've been saying for two months now, like after almost every conversation I come away from people with, I'm like, people are not okay. <laughs> like just an increasing sense of like, even though we've been in this pandemic for two years. And so it's, maybe it's like, oh, you know, it's not new. We've been navigating these things, but the things keep changing that we're navigating. It's been two years of so much disruption. And even the strongest people I know like are just struggling. They're still struggling. So it's been a long time of doing all these, um, like just life upside down kind of things. And people are still like, people are not okay. The longer it kind of goes on. And so just the sense that even as things are easing up and there's more freedom kind of coming and release of restrictions, all those things are fantastic, but we're looking around at our lives and at people's lives going like, this isn't like, Hey, happy, clappy, fantastic. Everything's back to whatever back was. It's like looking around at the aftermath of a war and like there's, there's bodies on the ground everywhere. Like, and so we just wanted to kind of think like, where are people actually at? Can we, 
So to come along and name that, name the state of trauma that we're all kind of in, and then just come alongside people, including ourselves in a way that helps walk the next step together, whatever coming out of this means, knowing that it's a process and it's going to be slow, but like, how do we now together help move towards health and healing and restoration, that kind of stuff just seemed way more in tune to where people were at in terms of like, well, let's just do another inspiration series, you know? Yeah, it felt like what we had planned, which we'll now deliver sometime after Easter, felt tone deaf to, to where people are at. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, as a, as a leadership group, I know we've talked for some time. We actually, if people can remember, uh, we did this back Labor Day weekend. We just addressed where people were at in the pandemic. We, mm-hmm. We've been talking for some time about doing some kind of series or giving some kind of attention as people are recovering from and kind of reopening out of the pandemic. The problem that we've faced in in this magical, inevitable series is that this pandemic has kept going and going and going, and it's never given us the sense that, oh, we're out of it now, and now that we're out of it, we can give this kind of attention. And finally, we said, you know what? This has affected so many people so deeply in so many significant ways that we're not going to wait any longer Mm -hmm. for the more ideal conditions to have this. We're just going to invest in anticipation of Easter. We're just going to invest four weeks into this right now. And we're not, it's not a statement that we're out of the pandemic. It's not a statement that people can fully recover or anything close to that. Yeah. It's just a commentary on where we're at and hopefully how to experience God in that, in, 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 in the middle of that. And I, I wonder along those lines, before we get into kind of the specificity of of what we're hoping to do this month, um, can you just describe some of your own experience of pain through the pandemic? Because I know journeying with you closely, not just on staff, but through life group together, um, that the pandemic has not been friendly to you and to your (laughs) extended family and circles. Yeah, no, thank you for that. It's a pretty, pretty uh, good descriptor. It's, I mean, right near the beginning of the pandemic, um, I lost a very close friend uh, to COVID within the within the first couple of weeks. Like she died March 29th, and so the reality of what this thing was that was ripping through the world was uh, hit hit quite close to home pretty quickly. Um, and so that was yeah, like two years ago now. And yet, in in the space of the rest of the time, like I lost an uncle who was uh, closer to me than my own father. I've lost another friend um, who was uh, pretty close and had was a father of one of my kids' friends growing up. I've lost two additional family members. Those were both just actually in January um, past. Like, and four out of five of those deaths were like deaths that happened way too young. Um, and <laughs> maybe you could even say five out of five, but you know, like, so we, we've navigated that like so much grief personally. My, my daughter lost her high school graduation, um, different realm than just talking about lives lost, but, uh, two kids going through like two years of online school. Um, and I personally, yeah, I would even say like two years ago, I was in a place where when all this began, where I was desperately needing some stability and restorative energy to come into my life. And that was like the season I thought I was heading into. And, uh, yeah, that has not been an accurate descriptor of the past two years for anybody. Um, but for me as well. And I asked that, like I asked that so that both our members and the leaders listening can appreciate that 
we're not just trying to pastor people through their pain in this series. Yeah. We're trying to journey together in learning how to experience God during pain or in pain or in the, you know, as we're experiencing this together. And, you know, it's, it's helpful for people to hear experiences like yours. Like you've, you've literally lost five kind of loved ones, close friends, whatever, through the, through the, through the last two years, it's extraordinary. And, uh, you know, this isn't going to just be X's and O's on the chalkboard. This is real lives connecting and journeying with other real lives through the real hurts and pains of the, of the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure I'm not alone in that. Like the, even the normal losses of life that have been experienced in pandemic times just kicks them into a whole different stratosphere of coping. Yeah. So the first of these weeks, uh, we want to focus on just the dynamic of trauma, that one of the implications has been the trauma that people are now carrying, even the PTSD at at some levels. Um, I know you're not fully (laughs) clinically trained, but you've, you've kind of swam in these ponds long enough. For people listening, like, what do we mean by trauma? I guess... Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of like recognizing that this thing that we've been through has not been a little thing, like it continues to not be a little thing. The levels of absolute disruption and just like the extraordinary challenge, um, that we've been thrust into like worlds turned upside down and again and again and again in continuing different ways, um, having to face like floods of confusing information, all kinds of societal and economic, relational, like just disruption everywhere has left so many people feeling like feeling fractured, whether to some degree, whether it's small or huge, whether we're talking clinical, um, clinical trauma, or just even low grade all the way across the whole spectrum. Like um, everywhere you look, people are just not themselves. And whenever we experience or like the, just the levels of society that have been to, like ripped away from us or uh, shape-shifted into something else we're supposed to live in. Like whether you experience that or even just witness trauma, you know, things move around inside of us. Like we get disordered, we get dysregulated in our nervous systems, um, sometimes even in like ways we're not consciously aware of. Like some people are very aware of how traumatized they feel after the two years. Certainly um, different sectors of, you know, like healthcare workers are pretty unaware that they're are pretty aware that they're traumatized, but I think uh, people by and large, like every, people everywhere are displaying symptoms of trauma, which isn't just like total breakdown, shaking, crying, not being able to function through life. Like that can be it. And there's been, there's been a bunch of that, but even just like, like the maxed out capacity to think straight. I hear so many people saying that these days, the inability to find energy to to face a day, just to face a regular day, to go through the regular rhythms and routines of life, to be able to engage in relationships. Like it feels difficult to be social with people right now. Like people are like, I don't remember how to have a conversation. It feels strange to be around people or like we've lost relational skills. And that's traumatizing because we are we're built and wired to be like relational social beings in, in close connection with each other. And so much of that connection has been ripped away. Like it's just it's just left people shattered in various ways. And it's, it's wild to just see how widespread that is. And in that kind of pain, what's your sense 
for how God wants to meet us there. Obviously, things don't just flip like a switch overnight mm-hmm. and you go from that level of extremity in all that you're feeling and the weight that you're carrying to, you use the phrase happy and clappy. Um, so what what does it look like for people who, whether it's clinical or like you said, a lower grade, just we're just functioning differently. Can't yeah. even put a finger on it. Um, how does God want us to meet us in our trauma in that sense? Yeah, it's good that you note that even because even once the, the traumatic event stops, like sort of what PTSD points to is that like, that doesn't mean the trauma is over because like things that have been written onto your soul and like sort of absorbed into your body in this time, like they don't just stop because the circumstance stops then because you've kind of kicked a system into gear. So um, being able to, to find God in that, or I almost want to say like to let God find us in that is so, um, so key. Cause I mean, God is, God is peace, right? God is love. God is hope. And trauma steals those things from us. And so I think like, obviously God's heart is to heal and restore and to bring back life, to, to mend the things that have been broken. And so being able to, to open ourselves back up to, to find those paths, keep finding those paths that do connect us to God, to let God like actually meet us in the places that we're experiencing the traumatic pain um, and bring healing through. I mean, and that comes through all kinds of things that often comes through like, this is how we minister to each other in the body of Christ. It's, it's in how we engage our spiritual practice, our relationship with God um, to be able to, to let him just come into those pain spaces and go like, it's not like, it's okay to not be okay. You're not okay right now. It's okay to not be okay. It's not unreasonable to be feeling this way because something traumatic has happened, but then to try to lean into the presence of God so that peace and hope and love and health, like not the, um, not being aloneness, like those things can help move us, move us towards healing, move us back towards health, which is always God's heart, but especially, especially at like acute pain sites, right? Mm. You used language earlier that's key for this whole series. And I hope that our members, as well as leaders listening, pick up on it. It was the phrase mend and restore. Uh, in the Bible, when when the New Testament talks about equipping the saints, equipping mm-hmm. believers, equipping people to follow Jesus, to serve Christ, equipping the saints for ministry, this kind of thing, there are actually three ways. Uh, Greg Ogden from the U.S. D- describes this. There are three ways that the Bible uses the word equip. One is your typical, like, prepare for use, right. you know, like training. Okay, yep. we're going to get you ready for One is about laying foundations, kind of providing the fundamentals, which Mm -hmm. again, from a teaching intensive uh, type of environment, that makes sense. But one of them is the idea of mending and restoring. That when Mm -hmm. the disciples are sitting by the beach, uh, the the text says, mending their nets, they're fixing the the holes in their fishing nets. Right, right. That the, the mending of their nets, that's the same word that Paul uses in Ephesians 4, where he talks about equipping the saints for ministry. It's a version of equipping. And so for people who are in this place, whether it's trauma or some of the other features of pain that we're going to review here, appreciate that for this season, the primary way that God wants to meet you and equip you is in a mending and restoring way, not necessarily in a hype you up, 
yeah. train you for use, throw you back into the heat of battle kind of way, and that that's okay. Yeah. To yeah. be okay with not being okay and realize that it's okay to be equipped in a mending and restoring season or in a mending <laughs> and restoring fashion is really key to experience all that God wants in this in next next month, I would I would say. Yeah, yeah, I can track with that. Um, you tapped into already the, the, the second week of this series uh, from your own life anyways, and that is the, the whole idea of navigating loss. Yeah. Speak to some other main ways that, that people have felt loss in the last two years that we want to uh, try to help them experience Jesus in the midst of. Yeah. Well, even the, like just the, the loss of nothing being as it was. I mean, life is always changing. It's not like life is static or was ever one thing and now it's something different, but but the the very um, unique sense of like nothing is as it used to be, like nothing is as it was a couple of years ago, is such is such a profound and widespread sense of loss of normalcy, um, and and I think both in two ways. Like I think about how so much of the mundane, daily, regular things of life have have like the way they used to happen is lost, is gone. Like what part of life is left unchanged, right? Buying groceries, going out for dinner, like attending class, gathering with friends, like seeing faces. Like we've lost all these very tiny little seem to be unimportant pieces of life, but have just been like swept away, you know? So I think there's just that loss of normalcy along with the great big losses. Like the loss of life obviously was the first one that came to my mind, but like the loss of life milestones, like graduations lost or uh, weddings that that weren't able to happen, haven't been able to happen the way people have always envisioned uh, funerals and the rights of the rights of grieving, um, like like the rights, meaning like the rituals, the ways that we grieve, the ways that we companion and comfort each other in grief have been like taken away from us in losing the ways that you deal with loss, losing the ways that you <laughs> deal with loss. Like it's just. And the, oh, the amount of um, pain that exacerbates is just um, terrible. Jobs, like people losing their actual jobs and livelihoods, whether because of the economy or because of vaccination mandates, like people have lost their livelihoods, Uh, as well as like, I think, lost their ability to do their jobs, whether it's like even losing the ability to feel like you're really like kicking butt at your job because you're at your best, because I don't know many people who are at their best. Or like due to like just the mental health challenges in all of this, like some people have just been like, I can't function at work the way, like I can't function in my job. And so that's been lost. Like there's just so many, so much loss everywhere. I think at all kinds of different degrees. It's, I've never seen anything like it in a concentrated time. Well, speaking of things that we've never seen anything like, uh, I know the third week is going to dip into another, another area that's been, Mm -hmm. Uh, certainly felt in almost an area of passion for for you and I lately, and that is navigating the conflict of division and polarization. Yeah, it seems like one of the feelings that that people are wrestling with, especially as we've deepened ourselves into the the pandemic, is this relational conflict of competing sides. Yeah. Um, do you want to speak to this first of all personally before we talk about how God wants to meet people in that? Yeah, sure. And I do think like, to me, this has become what feels like the heaviest weight and the most widespread weight, widespread weight, and probably the most heartbreaking for me, because I just like, I agonize over feeling like it doesn't have to be this way. Um, And yeah, personally, I mean, I, in my life, I have people all over the spectrum from 
pro-vax, pro-mandate, enthusiastically adherent to every piece of advice, to those in a totally different headspace of, of like, no way am I putting something so new and unknown into my body and my kids, or, or just feeling way more acutely attuned to the the massive mental health impacts of things like lockdowns and masking. Like, I have beautiful, amazing, intelligent, loving people on both ends of that spectrum in my life. And it just gets complicated because like the opinions can get so big, so fast and strong. And it feels to me like it has become incredibly hard for people to hear each other, like to trust and respect each other when it feels like so much is at stake from both ends of the spectrum, right? No matter how you're viewing it. And it just feels like the gloves have come off, I think to a fair extent in a way that I don't think I've quite seen before. Like, arguments can get heated or people can get really cold or like cutting acidy, however you want to say it in like sort of their strong opinions. But it just, it just feels like another uh, ballpark to me lately. Like people are, it's almost like people are primed to fight. And I don't think that's unrelated necessarily to the trauma and loss that we were talking about. Cause I mean, it's like, there's this stockpile of pain and pain needs somewhere to go. So I just think people so much are like they're so quick to channel it into finding enemies to fight because we're not so good at facing our our grief and sadness and that kind of stuff. And it just feels like that has swirled into a number of different controversies over the last couple of years. Mm. And it just, it rips my heart out. It just rips my heart out. What What has been helpful for you in those conversations or in trying to broker or mediate or just shepherd polarized people back into a unity, not a unanimity or uniformity, but a unity amidst that polarizing diversity. Yeah. I think, um, I think the, the two, like the two main moves I feel my, my heart keep being called back to is like the number one is just like to take that higher perspective, to take that, like, who is God and what is love and what are the kind of people we want to be to keep calling back to that, like higher sense above, like these really important and big circumstances that are going on, but to keep pulling myself and trying to remind each other as well about like, there's something bigger and broader and love is bigger than all of this, like that, that callback. But the other thing that has been helpful for me, because I'm certainly not a person of light opinions, like I have thoughts and, and experiences, I've had deep experiences through this as well. Um, so the other thing that has helped me most profoundly probably is, is the constant intentional listening, to try to foster a constant intentional listening to other people's experiences. And like listening deeply, not assuming I get it all, um, but just trying to find each other and not lose each other, like trying to expand my own heart, expand my own perspective, um, instead of being falling too easily to the like dividing lines of, well, this is right and that's wrong. And this is the issue and that's not. And figuring out who's right in something is to just like keep doing that expanding inside and to like, quite honestly, to be able to find myself in and then help others to take a posture of like, like raising the what if questions, like the humility and the capacity to genuinely sit with a, but what if we're wrong? mentality about any any little piece of it like what if I'm not seeing everything what if the best I've done to sort through everything doesn't wind up in the same place as someone else and what if I'm actually the one who might be missing some pieces and to just like 
the more I hear other people's deep experiences and their, their, like their genuine, their heartfelt heart is what I want to say, which is not really a phrase, but to see and hear that has helped me so much to like way gentle down my emotional posture and also like to genuinely hold that humility of like, look, this whole thing has happened so fast and people have tried to figure things out as quick as they can. And there are trustworthy people in lots of places, but to hold it with a humility that says like someone else who's arrived in a different spot might be the one who's right. And so the last thing I want to do is violate love and like trying to hit them over the head with something, you know? And I think trying to help people reach that posture, I think is the only hope. Like, I think it's the only hope for all kinds of things if we can hold each other that way. Yeah. I feel like if you're, if you're stopping to really listen and to really pay attention Mm-hmm. to the, the the bigger picture there is there is a difference between what you believe is wholly true and what is the actual more whole truth the comprehensive yeah. reality of it and and people on different sides don't have completely illegitimate le- reasons for holding the convictions and having the feelings that they do exactly you know, we're different people and we have different experiences and different reasons for things but they're not it's not that one is entirely legitimate and one is entirely illegitimate. And when you can see that bigger picture and, you know, usually not automatically or immediately, but through, through some really diligent listening and, and, and humility and quietness, um, hopefully we can start to, to, to build those bridges and then experience God and his, his unifying spirit in, in the midst of that. Yeah. Cause, cause we do like so much of the experience in God is, is experienced through each other. So like, if I come at you with like an angry voice or like a angry opinion or just that, like that, like hostile posture, like that's how you're experiencing God. Like, so it's, yeah, like the experience in God happens through experiencing each other. And I've had to like, um, just hold that much more forward in my mind. The other thing I want to say something about you that you said made me think, um, it's not even just that necessarily like, oh, I might need to change my perspective, but if I can listen deeply, I mean, I might, that's the point, <laughs> hold it with humility but to listen deeply enough to someone else's experience to understand the impact on them, like what they're feeling in the experience of it can also be a game changer. And I just, I feel like we're losing that. So yeah, yeah more yeah. of that would be good. <laughs> the final week uh, is at some level, kind of a wrap up at, at another level. It's sort of a summary of these other three. And that is the navigating of the uncertainty of all of this that, mm-hmm. you know, we thought this was going to be two weeks of extended March break, and then it wasn't. And we thought it was going to be three months until the summertime, and then it wasn't. And we thought it was going to be kind of resolved in the fall, and then it wasn't. And it was all through the winter, and then it lasted a year, and then it was, and now we're coming up on two years. And and, yeah. and there's just been no finish line to this, and there's been a weariness that that comes with it. Again, starting with you, Mandy, like where in this whole journey have you found yourself most weary? I think every time um, that a line has been changed, like like a whether it's a finish line or this or that will happen, which is, you know, was every couple of days in the beginning, but like every time a reinstituting of a mandate or a restriction or even simple changes, like I just feel like my whole insides just like shut down. And it's like, I just want to go to bed, like just pull a cover over my head. Just leave me here for even a couple of weeks ago um, when the shelter was in outbreak. Um, and so we had to, we had just started to come back into the office and work 
together again in our spaces. And then the shelter went to a break. So it was like, we can't be in the building. Our team very, very quickly found a lovely solution, which was like, hey, there's space at Vineland. We can set up here. We can... Like there really was no problem, but everything inside of me was just like collapse again. It was just like another change again. Like you can't get rhythm. So I think every, every time those keep happening, I I have to fight that. Yeah. And how have you found yourself able to help others kind of remain faithful to Jesus in spite of that weariness? Because that's the other part, right? Part yeah. of it is just you recurringly feeling that and just being defeated and discouraged again and again and again. Yeah. How do you remain faithful to Christ in that, in that space? I think like the first, the first move of that is just to like, to not shame yourself for it. Like to like, to just like set that aside, any like um, feeling of like, Oh, I'm so disappointed. Why can I not be stronger? Whatever. Just kind of go like, yeah, like, yep, that's where we're at. That's what this keeps doing. And sort of like, let that be okay because God is completely fine with that. Like God is like there with wide open arms going like, it's okay. Come on over here. Right. Like we'll be okay. So to kind of just let myself sort of embrace that and to remind people of that, like, of course you're doing terrible. Like the world is terrible. Like to let that be okay. And then to just like to pull back to even the, like I think of the low hanging fruit type practices are like, look, where do you experience God? The easiest, the quickest, the closest, like this is not a time for like super high challenge. I'm going to push myself into this, that, or the other thing, but to like, to reconnect with like, what are the things that feed your soul the best? And how can you sink back into those with God? Like, let it be easy right now. For me, a lot of that is like, I spend a lot of time staring at water these days. (laughs) Like, I'm no longer like hiking through the dawn, through the gorge at dawn and stuff like that, but just like staring at water and letting it be okay. Like re-coming back into some life-giving rhythms, even though, and, and recognizing like letting it be okay that it's hard and slow. For me, it's been super helpful um, that we've been able to come together again, like on Sundays and worship. And I didn't even realize how much that boosts my soul, like how much that feeds something inside of me. It strengthens something inside of me to stand beside you. And like, I don't know whether we're drawing strength from each other or whether it's just the familiarity of the rhythm or whatnot. But like, I didn't realize that was such a low hanging fruit that would have so much payoff for me. But I'm trying to pay attention to those kind of practices and encouraging people to do the same as well. Like to just be like, what are those things in the past that have helped you feel the embrace of God the most? Like, what helps you, this just sounds like kind of a woo-woo phrase, but like what helps you rest in God or feel like you're resting in God's arms? Like what, what wraps around you? Like find those things. Let's, let's do those things together. It's okay to go to just like very basic tenderness with God kind of things right now. You don't have to like read the Bible in a month, this month, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Yeah. For, for our church members who are listening, I hope that you're inspired to make this series a priority. This is going to really help, and this is going to really give us an opportunity to experience God in a way that all of us desperately need these days. And on top of that, you know, if you have friends or family members or coworkers or classmates or neighbors or teammates that in conversation you discover are struggling with loss, grief, weariness, you know, conflict, division, even trauma, whether official or, you know, clinical or kind of a lower grade. Mm-hmm. Um, 
maybe this is a, a, an opportunity to draw them in as well and, and allow them to experience maybe for the first time that Jesus does want to meet us where we're at and he does want to pour his love out on us and he does want to make a difference in the everyday experience of our lives. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I just hope that you're encouraged by that for church leaders outside of Southridge who are listening. I just hope that you're trying to read the tea leaves and do things that are prophetically important and timely in your communities as well. Uh, we turn this series on a dime feeling like now's the time. We don't even really know why, but now's the time where we feel like we should give some attention to this. Maybe you've already been there. Maybe you're looking ahead to a season, but I, I would encourage all of us as church leaders to have a season to allow some disproportionate mending and restoring to happen in your community. And uh, in that vein, Mandy, I'm just wondering as we wrap up, if you have any final encouragements, uh, either to our members or uh, the leaders listening, when it comes to nurturing that recovery and, and you know, even pastoring others as you're recovering uh, through this <laughs> pandemic season. Yeah, I guess most of all, to me, it's like, it's, it's let's just recognize that what, that we've all been through such a massively disruptive event, like life event here, and it's still ongoing and to not, to not minimize that, like to, to, to really feel and, and accept the weight of it for what it is. And then like my biggest hope is that we would just be gentle with ourselves in the midst of that and be gentle with each other because we, we have such a profound impact on each other. And it can be profoundly um, bad, to be honest. And it can be profoundly, profoundly healing. So just for my hope is for us to be gentle with each other and then just focus on finding the ways to let ourselves keep being drawn back into the arms and the love of God. You know, that place where the soul will find its healing, even if it's slow, even if it's, you know, one baby step at a time, as we progressively make our way through this, um, whatever this has been and whatever the next season will be. Because from that place, I, like, I just, I do think everything is possible, <laughs> even the impossible, which has felt like too much of the word of the last couple of years. But, um, but from that space, I, I really do still believe that everything is possible in God. Yeah. And, we're super excited to, to, to see how he meets us in, uh, in those really extraordinary ways. So thank you, Mandy, for being here. I'm sure. It won't be the last me. time you can <laughs> psych yourself up again, but, uh, thanks for sharing your heart today. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Jeff. And uh, to, to all of you who are tracking, uh, appreciate you joining in with us again this week. We'll see you in seven days as we continue finding our way together. Take care, everybody. <laughs>